0: How many ska kids does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many, Ian? Five. One to pick it up, lift it up to the socket and drop it, and four to pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up.
1: Ho, ho. Merry 51st episode Ian.
0: 51!
1: It's not even a Christmas episode, but I still ho, ho, ho for you guys. We're never doing a Christmas episode (laughs) in anything we ever do. Well, I mean, considering that we have already announced that this is indeed the second-to-last episode, I think that that's pretty safe to say that this episode, nor the next episode, is a Christmas episode, so... It
0: might be a Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> We're saving the best for last. <laughs> uh, well, in,
1: in our new podcast uh, that we will be releasing. It's right, all about the, <laughs> Christmas. Yeah, it'll, it'll be mo- mostly Christmas episodes, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, don't worry. It's a year-round release, though. You'll get weekly episodes about Christmas. It'll be great. No, I'm just kidding.
0: By the time Christmas comes around, you're going to be fucking sick of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm already sick of it. I don't even like it when Christmas is around. It's not really one of my favorite holidays, personally. But you know what we're not here to talk about? Christmas. You know what we are here to talk about? Music. Super fun meth heads who make amazing (laughs) music.
0: Probably more junkies than meth
1: heads. Yeah, but. I mean, whatever junkies, uh, whatever. They definitely did do meth, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it really depends on the album. Uh, this is <laughs> well, it depends
0: on what area they're in, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> can we get meth or heroin? Yeah, it
1: it really depends on what they what they really can obtain, and you know we won't keep the secret any farther. And it's really weird that we're going so far out of our. Like, what we've done in the past for our final actual episode about a single musician. Because, as we announced last week, but I will reiterate, we're going to do a bit of a uh, fun awards show for our final episode next week. So, tune in for that. It'll be amazing.
0: But this really is, this episode is just about a musician who was really instrumental in our youth.
1: Yes, uh, and the pun with the instrumental is uh, heavily implied. (laughs) Uh, but no there was a light touch there and so ironically enough most people hear the name of this band and they will know it instantly but they won't know it for like the right reasons because most of their really good music is buried and nobody really gets there uh and and to to break the suspense bubble uh we are doing sublime more specifically bradley knoll the lead singer of sublime and guitar player yeah and guitar player
0: and rap star <laughs>
1: <laughs> and selector <laughs> and boss DJ. <laughs> oh, he's definitely a boss DJ. Yeah, and some other stuff. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. Uh, honestly, like we we did as we always do. We did our warm up listening to our uh, do check out this songs while we were getting ready this evening, and it just it was enough to just like lift my spirits. I I really forgot how much some of these like more obscure sublime songs are just frankly, fucking amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I always my girlfriend listens to them, so occasionally they get put on, but, you know, it's just like listening to it again is just like, it's like take, going back to my youth, dude, honestly. Like. yeah.
1: <laughs> but on top of the fact, it's not one of those songs that are just, or one of those bands that are just nostalgia-based. Like, cause a lot of bands that I really liked back then, I'm like, I feel really nostalgic about, and I look back at it and I listen to it, and I'm like, oh, I don't like this anymore. But, You go back and you listen to some of these older, weirder, sublime albums. And like I said, immediately back into it.
0: Oh, yeah. And it really is like unique music, too, because he was doing stuff that wasn't really done all that much where they mixed punk and rap and reggae, you
1: know. Though it's not necessarily them being the first, you can definitely say that that genre of music Exists in its current form because of that oh, a yeah, very definitely. large portion. Like they did take, they, like they didn't really invent any one thing. They mashed a bunch of really cool, really amazing available concepts together to make something that was completely fucking unique.
0: Right, and then you've got like uh, slightly stupid and three eleven. You know yeah. who who did that too, and slightly stupid was around the same era as them. So I don't know what influence they had on each
1: other, but... Well, I know for a fact that a lot of these bands, uh, their influences were kind of nebulous, as in they kind of come from the same era in the same area. Yep. And uh, so that that does have a lot of effect, just even, you know, seeing each other's shows and being like, oh, I like what that guy's doing, we're going to do that, like, you know, the, do this, do that, change it up a little bit, and suddenly before you know, you've created a whole new genre just around a few bands. Well, and so
0: Bradley Knoll was born on February 22nd, 1968 in Long Beach, California. Ooh, yeah. Him and his younger sister, Kelly, would be raised in the Belmont Shore neighborhood of Long Beach, and they were raised by their parents, Jim and Nancy Knoll. Now... Apparently, Bradley became a difficult child, was often hyperactive and disruptive. I even read an article that said he he had ADHD like (laughs) definitively.
1: It would make sense. Yeah. Especially with his singing style.
0: (laughs) (laughs) His mother would recall that he was, and I quote, very emotional, very sensitive, very artistic, but he was needy. He was always testing just to see what he could get away with. (laughs) And now, we crack jokes at the beginning of the episode about, you know, them being junkies and whatever, but he was actually a very intelligent person, and he was a really good student, and he always got good grades.
1: Yeah, and it shows just in the diligence of the, uh, you know, the quality of the work that he produces.
0: And his father, he was a construction worker, but, you know, he enjoyed playing guitar. His mother would also teach Bradley how to play piano, and she made a living playing the flute. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so, you know, lots of, you know, music influence right from the get-go, right? Yep. And, you know, they were also the ones to give him his first guitar lessons. And, you know, they were always very supportive of him playing music. Bradley would say on this, they've been supportive. My mom doesn't like all the (laughs) (laughs) F-words. That's pretty funny.
1: (laughs) That is pretty awesome. But in 1978,
0: something would happen to him that would, you know kind of rock his world, especially at 10 years old, right? His parents get divorced.
1: Oh, yeah. that That's, that's a, always a
0: big deal when you're a kid.
1: Yeah, when you're a young kid and your parents get divorced. It's a, it's a way bigger deal than it is at any other point.
0: Now, the real question is, is it worse when you're a young kid or is it worse when you, as soon as you go to college... Your parents get divorced. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I have no idea, honestly. That's a, that's a hard comparison to make. I think because then
0: as soon as you move out, you're like, wait, were they only together because of me? Yeah. And then you're like, wait, how long? <laughs> <laughs> how long were they miserable yeah. I'm the
1: cause of their misery? Yeah, then what you start the like, fuck? like start recounting, like, how many Christmases have sucked? <laughs> 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 oh, that's our second Christmas reference this episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that makes sense. My mom made sure to know what she got me for my birthday. (laughs) That's mine. Your dad didn't get that one.
1: Yeah, exactly. I started getting separate gifts seven years ago. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now that we just darkened this episode up a little bit. Oh,
0: right. We already know how it ends. (laughs) But at the age of 11, his father would take him on a vacation to the Virgin Islands. And... He saw some reggae bands there, and this is where his love of reggae came from. Oh, yeah. Or at least where it started, you know? Yeah. And so age 12, you know, really starts playing guitar. He'd spend hours playing guitar, playing with the family. You know, all of his family were musicians. Yep. But apparently he had a really great ability to play songs on guitar that he had only heard once.
1: Yeah, like um, like music mimicry and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I fucking hate those guys. Oh yeah,
1: that's that's one of those like raw early talents that if a person picks up, it's just it, it makes you, you, could, you learn. You could so literally
0: quick. just go to music school just based off that. talent Yeah, yeah, law.
1: that's and that's one of those things. Like I've I've always had kind of a stance where talent is is equated to your interest in something. You know, you are you become talented by being able to practice it a lot, and you're only able to practice something a whole lot if you really like it. There are certain ex- exceptions with like talents like that you know what i mean like not everybody can do that at a young age but some no. kids are just able to be like oh shit yeah i heard those 17 notes in a row and now i understand what the structure is and why it works and they, they can mimic it <laughs> and, you know you're like
0: what the fuck for me to mimic something i have to have that riff stuck in my head for at least a week and then i go okay fuck it i'm figuring this fucking thing out yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> it makes it takes me standing in front of you and going all right start from the beginning stop start again stop all right no no go again all right we're good and then i just watch what your hand does and it has to be like an instrument that i can mimic like that like guitars and stuff i've played with guitars enough to where i can stare at your hand and kind of have an idea what's going on but if it's a a, you know unless i got a pen and paper you know know, (laughs) make somebody get, get really bad and give me like the mode or something
0: Roll some dice, play some D D while you're at it. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: <laughs> we see what kind of musician Ian is right away. <laughs> I mentioned a pen and paper, and he immediately goes and starts making fun. <laughs> you write stuff down.
2: <laughs>
0: I knew the rizzle reason why I wasn't successful. <laughs>
1: Look at this poser over here with his pen.
0: <laughs> like Charlie Day from Always Sunny. He's <laughs> like, "Are these even words?"
1: <laughs> uh, let to get you some like blank sheet music and it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> I'm just going to put dots and lines like on smiley it. Smiley faces and
0: <laughs> I'm just going to make smiley faces <laughs> with with the with the two dots and that connect. Yep, exactly. <laughs> this is a happy song. Yeah. <laughs> And so by the age of 16, he's in his first band. Woo-hoo! Oh, yeah. And they're called Hogan's Heroes. <laughs>
1: what a great first band name.
0: <laughs> and this was with someone named Michael Yates and Eric Wilson. Oh, yeah. And this name will come up later. Just remember the name Eric Wilson. Yep. And now, you know, they all looked at him as, like, gifted and stuff like that. But none of only other guys were even interested in reggae music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bradley would say about this. I was trying to get them to do a UB 40s version of Cherry O Baby, and it didn't work. They tried, but it just sounded like garbage. We were horrible. <laughs> <laughs> now, the name Hogan's Heroes should not be confused with the punk band that came out of New Jersey in nineteen
1: eighty four. Is there also a punk band named Hogan's Heroes?
0: Yeah. So <laughs> when I saw this, I'm like, oh no way he was part of Hogan's Heroes because I listened to him, you know, they're like this super like like mid eighties like hardcore, like almost like uh like crossover band. Yeah. And I was like, no fucking way. And I looked him up. I'm like, New Jersey no fucking way he went to New Jersey. <laughs> That's awesome. And so they would end up changing their name to Sloppy Seconds. <laughs> also not to
1: be confused with the
0: uh, Indiana Hardcore Punk Band with the same name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they they weren't that original at first. No, yeah, well... Or they had some hard swings and misses and accidental coincidences.
0: <laughs> well, I mean... They wouldn't really be around that long. I'm not really sure how long Brad was in this, but it really didn't seem that long. It yeah, seemed it's like some it's, friends getting together, it's you a know, garage band, playing a couple shows in some backyards, whatever. You yep. know, in 1986, at the age of 18, Brad graduates from high school. Oh yeah, Wilson High School in Long Beach, California. Woohoo! And you know, want to be a musician? Best thing to do: let's go to college. Woohoo! He first attends the University of California in Santa Cruz before transferring to California State University in Long Beach. And you know what he studied? What? The most rock and roll thing ever, finance. <laughs> <laughs> so epic, bro.
1: But he was a great student, apparently. He even made the dean's list. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I mean, it's not a surprise. Like I said, it really, I mean, if you, if you only know Sublime by their few, like, Super famous hits, you probably won't get this, but if you like listen to some of their other albums, he's got so much different, like musical knowledge and like unique uses. Like, you show it shows a lot of intelligence behind the design.
0: Yeah, he was definitely a smart guy. Yeah, made some stupid decisions in his life, but we'll get to that. Yeah,
1: I mean, <laughs> smart guys still make mistakes, guys.
0: I guess the first one, he ended up dropping out one semester shy of earning the, his degree. Oh. In 1995, he'd make a statement about this. I have all the hard classes left. I doubt I'll ever go back. <laughs> and, you know, during one of the breaks while he was going to school, you know, like summer break or whatever the fuck, right? Yeah. He'd end up hooking back up with Eric Wilson, and and he'd introduce him to his neighbor and childhood friend, Floyd Bud Gah. I Gah. think that's how you pronounce it. How's, this,
1: how's it spelled? G-A-U-G-H. Go, maybe? Yeah, it might be Go. Yeah, it might be Go or Go or I don't know. That's a cool last name either way.
0: Anyway, they'd begin playing together. Bradley, the lead singer and guitarist,
1: Eric Wilson, the bassist, and Bud, the drummer. <laughs> the Bud, the drummer. And they're that's the full like lineup for the entire band or for the entire history of the band too, right? I don't think they ever had any sort of membership change. I think they add like like uh, horns and stuff in some episodes. Or...
0: Well, Bud did kind of go in and out throughout the early stages, but oh, okay. And so, yeah, you know, you got your core members: Eric, John, Wilson, born February twenty first, nineteen seventy, and Floyd Gah, <laughs> the fourth. <laughs> he was he was the fourth. Was born October 2nd, 1967. From now on, he's just bud. (laughs) Thank you. And apparently, you know, just quick, brief history. They were, they grew up across the alley from each other. And they met when they got in a head-on collision in their big wheels. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's an origin story right there, boys.
1: Big wheel origin.
0: But come on, Pat. You're forgetting about the fourth member of
1: the band. Uh, I would never forget about that, that adorable, adorable man. Dog, (laughs) man, dog. (laughs) That's right. Their fourth member was
0: Dalmatian named Lou Dog. Oh,
1: good old Lou Dog.
0: And in February nineteen ninety, Brad would end up paying five hundred bucks for him. You know, he would end up having to save up the money for him. You know, he was broke, broke college student, right? The guy who owned him when he was a pup had him tied out around a toilet seat in his front yard.
1: Oh my God!
0: So not a good start for the dog.
1: Yeah. But if you see like some of the sublime like music videos and stuff, you see just how like free the dog is during all of the videos, like oh, yeah. just wandering in and out of the shots. Well,
0: and Bradley would end up naming him after his grandfather, Louie Knoll, you know, calling him King Louie or Lou Dog is what I've always heard him called as, right? Yeah. And, you know, he basically became the mascot of the band. When they would play live, he was often allowed to wander the stage and... He was in like not maybe not all the covers, but he was in every album from yeah. them. And you know, he'd be referenced all the time in Sublime songs, you know. Yep. We took this trip to Garden Grove. It smelled like Lou Dog inside the van. Yeah. This ain't no funky reggae party, all right? <laughs> five dollars
1: at the door. <laughs> I always like trying to I always thought about that lyric. Like, did he mean five dollars the door of the van that smells like a dog? That's like a lot to pay to get into a van. <laughs> hey.
0: This ain't no funky reggae party, bro. (laughs) It's it's, kind of funky in there. (laughs) (laughs) Not funky in the good way. Or the bad. It is funky in the bad way, too. (laughs) Damn it. It's both ways. Double funk.
1: (laughs) Double funk. (laughs) The bad and the funky.
0: Now, supposedly, you know, him, you know, people letting him roam around on stage. He'd end up losing his hearing at one point. Aw. It's not a surprise. Yeah, probably not the best place for a dog to be. Yeah, that is kind of sad. But considering where he started, you know, he probably was better off anyway. At least he was loved.
1: And well, and let's let's be re- like real about it. If he if the dog was allowed to freely wander and wasn't tied to the stage, like the dog could have left too. It's like, I I consider that personal responsibility just like any metalhead without their uh, hearing. <laughs> Put it <laughs> on the
0: dog. Wait, what would you say? Can you repeat yeah, that? Yeah, what? well and so they're full-fledged four-piece band
1: right yeah (laughs) four-piece I stopped and thought about it for a second what is the dog playing the wolf the cuteness oh yeah uh yes the he's the the attractive one (laughs) (laughs) like a boy band yeah (laughs) yes he is indeed He's Lance Bass.
0: <laughs> is that the cute one? I don't know. That was the one I, don't know I can remember <laughs> How a name. You came of. up with that name. What was he in? <laughs> I don't even. What remember. band was he in? Come on, Pat.
1: <laughs> oh. Out with your boy band knowledge. I, I feel like there's like only one of three choices here, so I'm gonna be probably right or wrong. I think it's in sync or is. Do I got to Google this? No, please don't. I mean, <laughs> I, it doesn't matter. At this Now point. I want to test your knowledge. Do it. I mean, if you really want to test it, go for it. I, I think it is in sync, but I'm not 100% sure. And that was literally the only boy band name I could remember, except for, isn't that kid from uh, Home Improvement? Wasn't he in a boy band too? I can't remember. Jonathan Taylor Thomas?
0: <laughs> <laughs> or Tim Allen? <laughs> <laughs> I hope Tim Allen was in a boy band.
1: Yeah, it was in sync. There you are. You go. are correct. I am the Wonder fan. <laughs> <laughs> Bow before my musical knowledge.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's in sync. Ah! Yeah.
1: <laughs> I can just see you up in the front row now. Yeah, I, I, I always put on my fake hair so that nobody knows who I am now.
0: <laughs> and so, yeah, full fledged band. Time to play shows, right? So they play to house parties and barbecues. Oh, yeah, it's a good start, man. And they would often be asked to leave because they were loud. <laughs> oh, yeah, good start. But they would end up growing a reputation for their rowdy behavior and would eventually become an extremely popular band in that localized area, right? Fuck
1: yeah. I think that their like local popularity is actually what what could be considered one of the big pieces that made them like famous worldwide is just because they were so famous and fucking... Uh, in like, the Long, long Beach, yeah, scene, long Beach yeah. scene, yeah.
0: And despite the fact that, you know, they were actually starting to gain a local following, music venues didn't want to pl- have them play. They were skeptical of their crazy musical fusion that they had going on, right?
1: Yeah. And so... It would be hard to find other bands to play with. It's a similar issue that we had. We're like, you know, <laughs> your, your formula's fine, but it's hard to find other bands to play with.
0: Right. Well, I mean, it seemed like we were a little early on that one because... There was a bunch of bands we could have played with probably like a decade later. Yeah, no,
1: exactly. We were too far above the curve. (laughs) Or in front of the curve. (laughs) Whichever, I don't know. Well, and so
0: the band would end up partnering with their friend, Michael Miguel Hapult. I don't know why they called him Miguel, but, you know, whatever. But this is, you know, someone that Bradley had met at school. You know, they were pretty good friends so they'd create their own label together skunk oh, records hell yeah and he did this so he could tell the venues that he was a skunk records recording artist in hopes that they'd be a little bit more open to letting them play <laughs> 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 so
1: essentially he just went and got his own cards printed and was like there we go now i'm a i'm a contracted professional musician
0: well you know now it's time to start recording right yep and so in Late 1990, Miguel would approach the band and he'd offer to let the band record at the school he was at, you know, at nights. And so they agreed and trespassed onto the school at night (laughs) where they would record from midnight to seven in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking awesome. And this would result in a cassette-only release called "Jaw Won't Pay the Bills. <laughs> <laughs> and this would be released in 1991. Hell yeah. And actually, like, you can find their original recordings of it. It's pretty cool because a lot of the songs that were on this album would actually make their other albums at yep. some point. Yeah,
1: they're they're very early prototype versions of some actually really, like, popular and really good songs
0: but this tape would help the band started gaining a grassroots following and it's either around i couldn't like pinpoint it down but it was either around this time or after their next album where where brad would get like just super deep into drugs right yeah and so i'm just putting it in here right now because you know
1: somewhere in this general vicinity of time brad would be like hey I'm going to start doing a bunch of drugs. Yep.
0: And it all came from his band being popular in the scene. Yeah, I could see that fame and and popularity and people being like, hey, you want some of this? His father would say his excuse for taking heroin was that he felt like he had to be larger than life. He was leading the band, leading his fans, and he had to put on this persona. He heard a lot of musicians say they were taking heroin to be more creative.
1: Ah, yes. Yes good old taking drugs to be more creative excuse. We've covered this in a previous episode, <laughs> previous, but it does like
0: 10 episodes, yeah, but
1: that's a fallacy. It's a gambler's fallacy guys. You said fallacy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and yeah, they're following in this area, getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you know? And so the next thing to do is they need, they need a real release. And so once again, Miguel's like, Hey, I'm at a school with better equipment. Why don't you come sneak into this one? (laughs) (laughs) Good old Miguel. And so, you know, they'd sneak in after hours and record in secret again. Hell yeah. And this album was 40 ounces to freedom.
1: Mm, Good old 40 ounces to freedom. And Brad would
0: say, you weren't supposed to be in there after 9 p.m., but we'd go in at 9.30 and stay till 5 in the morning. (laughs) We'd just hide from security. They never knew we were there. We managed to get $30,000 worth of studio time for free. Holy shit. Yeah, this is a completely like self-produced album with Miguel and it, literally is, stole all the studio time. $30,000 worth. Holy
1: shit. And that, and that's fucking the famous legendary 40 ounces to freedom album, which is, you know. Well, and this
0: would be the album that would eventually get them discovered.
1: Yeah, this, this album is is their album album. You know, a lot of people know them for their self-titled later, but 40 ounces to Freedom was their, their golden ticket.
0: And so the crazy thing is, is this album had a ton of cover songs on it, right? You know, they'd have Smoke Two Joints by The Toys, We're Only Gonna Die by Bad Religion, Fifty Four, Forty Six, That's My Number, by Toots and the Maytals, Scarlet Begonias, Grateful Dead. Hell yeah. Rivers of Babylon by The... Melodians, and Hope by the Descendants. I mean, come on, dude. That shit's awesome. And they're all fucking so good. Like, Yeah. I mean, Rivers of Babylon, you know, you catch me in the right mood, I'll listen to it. But
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely the weakest on that list. But if, if I'm being honest, I know that you and I share a very special particular taste for some of their songs, which is their super crazy punk covers. So oh, yeah. Like, like Hope and uh, what's the Descendants cover? We're Only Gonna Die. Yeah. yeah we're only gonna <laughs> die those though both those songs are just so fucking good and they're like a minute and a half songs but it's a minute and a half well well worked. hope's a little
0: longer but
1: oh yeah i guess hope is a little. actually
0: longer. them doing a cover of this song is how i discovered the descendants which is crazy <laughs> yeah that is pretty awesome but you know they'd also have you know the self-track title 40 ounces to freedom let's go get stoned djs new thrash Bad fish, date rape, you know, some, some, some classics. Yeah.
1: And I mean, if you, we all laugh at the title being date rape, but I think that song is still played so regularly on the radio around here.
0: Oh yeah. It's the it's, you can still find it on karaoke machines. (laughs) Like
1: uh, it's, it's so weird that that song with the content that it has is, is still so popular.
0: And I think it's because you know they were making fun of the guy for doing it too, you know. Well, yeah,
1: it's obvious. It's definitely not a pro rape song by any fucking means. <laughs> I
0: mean, if it was a pro rape song, it would have been canceled twenty years. Ago. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it wouldn't have,
1: it? Wouldn't have taken this long for sure.
0: And so I think it's about time for our first dude. Check out this song. Oh
1: yes, pretty please.
0: So we got we're only gonna die fifty four forty six hope forty ounces to freedom. Type that in weird my notes, so it took me a second to <laughs> to to decipher that. Let's go get Stone, New Thrash, Bad Fish, Date Rape. I mean, really, there's so many more songs off this album I could name, too.
1: Oh, my God. We're going to have to do so many of that because, like, even the next few albums, there's so much <laughs> we have to cut out.
0: And with this album, more even more popularity. But they still wouldn't get signed to a major label. Nah. So, you know, two around do their thing eventually they'd end up teaming with gwen stefani of no doubt before she was a solo artist before she did bananas (laughs) (laughs) it's
1: bananas (laughs) but their fucking song is great saw red is so fucking solid
0: yeah and you know they would record this song somewhere along the way and it would eventually go on their next album you know because after a little while time You got to put another album out, right? You got more songs, you know?
1: You know what's something weird about No Doubt? You know how I've discovered the band? How? My uncle used to work as a a fucking, uh, like, a... Alaskan Fisherman and he brought back a shirt that neither of us knew it was a band but it was a no doubt shirt and just like a cartoon version of Gwen Stefani like shout, like shouting into a microphone <laughs> and like I just thought the shirt the shirt was so cool because it was just like a punk chick and it just said no doubt and I was like fuck this is just like a really cool shirt and I won the shirt for like three years <laughs> and then eventually I found out it was a band shirt. Did and nobody was, came up to you go that band's rad no, bro. No because it was so <laughs> far be- before like and they were on the radio or anything like I think it like a uh, Alaskan, like, fucking... I don't know. Where would he have bought it at in Alaska? Like, I got no fucking idea. Probably the airport. (laughs) (laughs) Or or he
0: he just found it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. But either way, it was fucking cool.
0: Well, and, you know, this was also before No Doubt was famous either. So, you know, they were both just unknown touring bands. And, you know, they probably constantly toured together. So...
1: Yeah. And, you know, everyone may uh, associate Gwen Stefani with, like, the hip-hop genre now. But... She was fucking punk back then. Like It's early- bananas how punk she was back <laughs> yeah, then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, honestly, it's very bananas her her career arc. Like I, I actually have mad respect for how much she was able to change her image and not only be like go from like a hardcore punk chick to like a pop singer to like a rapper, all like in like a single arc.
0: Right. <laughs> And now nobody talks about her anymore anyway. Yeah. The shit's bananas. (laughs) (laughs) B-A-N-A-N-A-S.
1: Oh, my God. Please move on.
0: Uh, Well, (laughs) like I said, they were, you know, starting to record their next album. So, you know, what's the best place to record an album? Uh, Stolen Studio? Nope. A crack house that he often visited to do heroin. <laughs> <laughs> Can I record an album here? <laughs> Apparently, this was a earthquake-damaged house, and they had to steal the electricity to power all the equipment. Oh, my God. I, I, I already know which album this is now. <laughs>
1: There's only one album this can be, <laughs> which is really fucked up because it's arguably one of my favorite albums of theirs. This just is, This is, how insane is definitely it their
0: is. weirdest for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, and so let's talk about how weird it is, right?
0: They would throw in random tape loops. They'd do weird field recordings. They had cheap digital, like, reggae dance hall rhythms in it, and they'd have 808 drum machine beats all over it, right? You yep. Know? And way turned up basses, acoustic demo recordings. They'd even do cowboy flick samples. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pancho. <laughs> Away. <laughs> Pew. <laughs> and uh, then
1: you know occasionally throw in the 50 second punk rock song yep exactly and yeah just 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 slide it in there you'd be like listen to the, it's like a beat machine with like a bunch of samples and some like some like chill shit then also it'll go quiet for a second you just hear like an electric guitar kick and you're like whoa i want to like, do heroin heroin <laughs> heroin heroin <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, by the way if you don't like drug references you will not like robin the hood at all
0: <laughs> or pretty much anything from Sublime. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> Even like, yeah. Well, the craziest thing about this album is it has the ravings of a mentally ill patient <laughs> by the name of Rely Theodore Sockers or
1: Sakers. <laughs> Isn't it Raleigh?
0: Is or, that how you pronounce it? Th- I
1: think it? it's Raleigh or Rye. R a l e i g h. Yeah, I think they say it in the uh, in the recording. It's been so many years since I've been able to actually, or since I've actually listened to those parts of it because
0: I never caught that because it's on the cover that it's featuring him yeah. too. Yes, yeah. yeah, so you <laughs> see a
1: beautiful portrait of this man <laughs> on the front with his butt, with his front teeth completely missing,
0: and in big bold words it has his name right in front too. Yep, it's uh, featuring <laughs> whoever this guy is,
1: <laughs> some random fuck, and yeah, if he. At least listen to his random wave or his random uh ravings at least once. Maybe we'll finish up the playlist this week with a random wave or ravings. And so, yeah. They got their second album, Robin the Hood. Uh, and like I said, if if you like weird music, this is this is a, a special level of weirdness. And I've I've gotta tell you guys, like I, I don't really have to repeat myself about how much I don't endorse like using drugs for creative means, <laughs> but it becomes such an interesting, like, character, like study. Like, I'm such a people watcher, so it almost feels like people watching because it, like, you really feel the the crack house on this episode. You really <laughs> or, or this excuse, episode. Excuse me.
0: I you can definitely feel the crack house in this episode. Yeah, so, yeah on this episode. <laughs> but I
1: mainly meant that album. Like, you could just just the way it's all put together and like how chaotic it is and how it's like shifting back and forth constantly. You feel like you're in a crack house.
0: Well, and this album would be released in 1994, which is a fun time to do our next do check out this song. Yep. And on this list, probably some of the easier songs to get into right away. I kept it pretty short. We got Pool Shark, Work That We Do, STP, and Greatest Hits.
1: Yeah, which are all fantastic songs. Uh, I'm also going to say we should throw Cisco Kid on there. Just for the cowboy noises. Yeah, for the cowboy noises. Yep, the cowboy noises. <laughs> and the rap song. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's a fantastic jam, too. Yeah,
0: I'm going to play that for my girlfriend later on today. <laughs> After, I haven't heard that song in years, and I'm like, oh, I forgot about this song. And oh, then it's like, oh, man, I still remember the lyrics. Yeah,
1: exactly. I know. I love that fucking song so much.
0: Also in 1994... Brad would meet Troy Den Decker, a lady he would start dating. Aww. And in September of that same year, also impregnate. Yep. Number one. <laughs> with, And, you know, so with his girlfriend being pregnant, he decided to get cleaned up, you know, done sticking needles in his arms, right? And his son, James Jacob Knoll, was born on June 1995 and apparently he is also in a touring band i haven't seen him but i've heard some of their songs They ain't bad at all yeah yeah kind of a almost a reggae punky thing but they do their own thing too so
1: i don't know you know i mean whatever it's listenable it, yeah nice i'll have to check it out after the episode
0: but of course on the day of his birth brad would relapse and start using heroin again
1: god damn it yay my kid is born you know what i want to do to celebrate heroin
0: man i really don't want to be a bad dad i bet this heroin will help me think about it yeah (laughs) i mean to be fair though i guess he really did love his son and really did try and clean up yeah
1: i mean that's one of the things you actually get from a lot of the information that you find on him is that he did genuinely care and try and it is kind of a tragic story of uh like addiction and how really fucked up it is because
0: same with kurt cobain you know i mean he really did he wrote a whole song about her you know i mean no
1: exactly and so it's it is kind of i don't know it is what it it, it is fucked up and you know i i don't i don't go very easy on drug addicts so i i typically try not to uh try not to mince on that but well that's The saddest part about
0: drug addiction is all the other people that are affected along the way.
1: Yeah, exactly. That is is the tragic part all along, so.
0: And, you know, despite the release of their new album, it was a song from 40 Ounce to Freedom that would start to receive commercial attention. Talked about it already. Date Rape. Yep. Now, there's a few rumors about how it got started to get played on college radio and stuff around California, right? But... One of them is that they sent a CD in and they played it. The other one, which is better, is a friend of the band went down to the station and told them to play this song on the radio.
1: Nice. That's that's a much more uh, clout-bearing example. So we always go with the good lore. Let's go with the good lore.
0: But, you know, the radio play would help. You know, this is still the mid-'90s. I mean, radio was king at this point, right? And it actually sounded good by this point. You know? Oh yeah. This is this is in the fifties where they're like, <laughs> must be a strong wind tonight. We're getting <laughs> we're getting a station from Kentucky. Yep, strong winds
1: blowing our signal away.
0: <laughs> and so yeah, they would end up just starting to sell 40 ounce to freedom like crazy. And so MCA came a call and calling ended up signing them and picking up 40 ounces to Freedom and distributing it across the nation.
1: Hell yes, and I'm fucking glad they did.
0: But of course, you know, them being signed to a major label did nothing to deter Brad's, you know, drug use, which, you know, sometimes he'd end up pawning his instrument and a buddy would have to buy it back out of the pawn shop, you know, later on. And <laughs> Yep. And this
1: is all just for drugs. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's that's so fucking sad because he's so talented and he's like literally selling nationwide albums and, and having to pawn his guitar because he's fucking doing drugs so much.
0: Well, and in nineteen ninety five, Sublime would get to play on the first ever warp
1: tour. Oh yes.
0: And you remember how big these were. Yeah, this Holy is, shit. This
1: would be another time machine moment right here, because this is this would be a legendary thing going to the first warp tour. Even if like I don't even personally care for most of the bands that would have been there. That's just such a like a good historic moment of nineties stuff.
0: Nineties <laughs> <90s> stuff. Nineties <laughs> <90s laughs>
1: a- aesthetic. Do you know how many <laughs> Jinko's were there? Oh my god.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dude, people were one hundred percent wearing Jinko's. If had-
0: you're young and you don't know what a Jinko is, just look up jinko Jane's yeah, like
1: J Y N K O or something like that. I wrote something like that. Yeah, they're they're essentially like uh, like you wear a, a dress on each leg, <laughs> but the, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But you their jeans. Too. You're missing the aesthetic because you had to have your wallet on a chain. But the pockets on Jinkos were so long that your wallet was like at your ankle in your pocket, and it had a chain on it. And then you also had to have your belt. So long that it like hung like past past your knees as if it was like a giant like mimicked cock. You remember that shit, like the braided belts, the hanging down past your knees. Now, like the
0: the best part about this style is, after a few years. It was only kept living on by ICP fans. Yeah, yep. oh, yeah, the, the <laughs> Juggalos never
1: forgot. They're like, they're like, oh. that's us. They, that they, is us, they just right look there. Right there. That's the aesthetic. Yep that that braided belt, the jinkos. Maybe <laughs> maybe get some strappy things. I know they, they
0: some strappy things.
1: Uh, you mean studs? <laughs> well, no, they they had the straps on the baggy pants. Later, they call them oh, something. Oh yeah, different, that,
0: like, that that weird goth look that yeah. went around for a few years when Marilyn Manson was huge.
1: Yep. After they were done blaming him for Columbine,
0: <laughs> before we discovered he's a shitbag. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he,
1: I guess he did say in his albums he was so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you just listen to what he says.
0: Well, and so you know, first Warp tour, woohoo!
1: Yeehaw. You
0: know, gonna sell some more records. They were also the first band to be thrown off the tour for one week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> apparently their behavior was unruly oh well yeah i mean i bet you brad was not only having a good old time he's all fucked up on drugs well you want to know what their
0: daily regiment was oh please waking up drinking as the day went on they would drink some more they'd play and then drink for the rest of the night oh <laughs> very nice <laughs> and the incident that supposedly got them kicked off the tour at least for a little while i don't It was hard to tell if they got fully kicked off or like I think it was like a I think it was a one week, you know, thing. But anyway, you know, Lou Dog was on stage with them and they were playing a show and Lou Dog ended up biting some skaters.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's fucked up. And so after laugh, that's not cool. (laughs) Train your dogs, guys. But still
0: hard to do that when you're a junkie. Yeah. <laughs> and the dog's deaf now. It's not like he can hear you calling. He's a free-range dog. Actually, the funny thing is, is one of the articles I read, so you know the live album Stand By Your Van? Yeah. So you know when he's calling the dog and he does it in the microphone? Yeah. Apparently, he did that because it's the only way the dog could hear him calling him. <laughs> it was through an amplifier? Well, yeah, because, you know, he had the mic, the PA system. Yep. and. Because, so, remember, he goes, Louis 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 Louie. Yep. Sad, but you know, I don't know, man. The dog was rock and roll. dog was rock and roll, and they age faster than
1: humans do. <laughs> <laughs> and he's around. He's, at this point, the dog's running around biting skaters, so, you know, he's complicit with the problems. <laughs> <laughs> he's I'm, part of the band. Everybody out there, that was a joke. I'm not blaming the dog for any of this. Jesus Christ. I could just feel somebody rage monster <laughs> right now. <laughs> He was a good dog. Just don't piss him off. (laughs) Just don't skateboard around him.
0: (laughs) And so in February 1996, time to get back into the studio. You know, this would be their first debut off of MCA. This would be produced by Paul Leary of the Butthole Surfers. (laughs) Really? Yeah. And this would be done at Willie Nelson's Patternalls Studio in Austin, Texas. That's so
1: fucking cool. I didn't know either of those things.
0: And this is the album, right? This is the album. Yep. And so Larry would say about them, they were the sweetest bunch of guys, but it was chaos in the studio. There were times where someone had to go into the bathroom to see if Brad was still alive. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't expect you to laugh after that one.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm I'm laughing. (laughs) Not because I find it that funny, but just because, like, that's such a. Of course, you had to go find Brad in the bathroom. You know, he's in there, like, shooting up or something. Right?
0: I feel like it's, uh, like, Shannon from Blind Melon. Like, it's like that story, but instead of heroin, it's cocaine for Shannon's case.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And, you know, apparently this was about the worst that. His addiction had ever been. Apparently, during this recording, he spent about four thousand dollars while they were there. Oh shit! It was a month that they were there. So in a a month, he spent four thousand dollars on heroin.
1: That's a thousand dollars a week on heroin. That is so fucking
0: much. And Leary often feared that you know by putting out this record that he would be exploiting a junkie. Brad was eventually flown home early before the album even finished, but. You know, relaxes a little bit, you know, realizes he can't keep doing this, and apparently sobers up, and he'd end up marrying Troy on May 18th, 1996. And, you know, newly married, best thing to do, go on tour. You know, gotta yeah. gotta promote the album that's about to come out, right? Yep, yeah, exactly. And so this would start as like a five-day tour through California, you know, kind of like a warm-up for this uh, European tour they had planned, right? Yeah. And the European tour was really, like, the means of, like, the promotion of this album. You know, like, look at this band touring the world. You know, you got to buy their album. Blah, yeah, blah, exactly. Blah. And so on May 25th, 1996, day after their show in Petaluma, the band was scheduled to head up north. And so during the night, you know, apparently Brad had a hard time sleeping. And I guess he'd, he'd go for a walk on the beach, right? Yeah. And the rest of the band, they were drunk as shit. And, you know, Bud, I think, was doing a little bit of heroin at the time, too. You know, they passed out. They'd get up the next morning, and Bud would see Brad half in bed with his feet on the floor. At first, he thought he had been too drunk to get into bed. But on further inspection, he noticed a green film around his mouth, and it became obvious he had overdosed. He called the paramedics, but Brad had been dead for hours by the time they
1: arrived. Jesus Christ.
0: He was pronounced dead on the scene. His last performance took place at the Phoenix Theater in Petaluma, California. Brad's ashes were cremated, and they were spread over his favorite surf spot, Surfside, California. A headstone would end up being placed in Westminster Memorial at Westminster, California.
1: That is so fucking sad. It's just another fucking, another example of, (laughs) don't do drugs, guys.
0: Well... That was also seven days after he got married too. Yeah, that's so fucked up,
1: Jesus Christ!
0: And you know he was supposedly cleaning at the time. Uh, you know, I mean, you did, can never know how truthful some of the stuff was, but I guess he had called her that night, and she asked if he's doing a heroin. He said no, and she believed he was.
1: Oh yeah, so it was like a like a uh, final relapse kind of situation too. Yep. Well, makes, you know how that, that goes
0: even... when people relapse.
1: They always end up doing,
0: like, a little what they more. used to do, yeah. the amount they used to do, but their body can't handle it anymore. Yeah, You know, that happens all the time.
1: Or they just chase, they're chasing a feeling, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, yeah, that's that's so fucked up.
0: But here's the thing, dude, and this is, you know, the craziest part about this whole story. They still had an album that needed to
1: be released. Wait, so the self-titled isn't really, it was, he died before it was even released?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I never knew that. It would be released on July 30th, 1996, two months after his death. Holy shit. You know what the original title for that album was? What? Killing It.
1: Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's why they renamed it to to Self-Titled is because it's like, Ooh, that's a little too ironic. Yeah, for us. that's
1: a little too on the nose. I think we'll uh, we'll go ahead and go with uh, the self titled because it's probably a good time because there probably won't be any more Sublime albums.
0: And you and I both know this album became a mega hit. Yeah, like we were in what like middle school or something when this came out. Yeah, we lived through songs the prime everywhere. Of
1: this. If you didn't own a copy of this album, you were not cool. And if you weren't cool, you still owned an al- a copy of this album. <laughs> if you didn't own a copy of this album, even not cool people had a good reason to make fun of you.
0: Well, and this would have their three most successful songs to date. You know, What I Got,
1: Santeria, Wrong Way. Yep, and those are those three songs are just so fucking legendary.
0: In fact, you know, supposedly this album went on to sell over 5 million copies before the end of the decade.
1: God, that means the video for Wrong Way had to have been recorded so soon before his death.
0: Nope. It was after. He's in the video, though. They used live footage of him.
1: Oh, 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 I guess that's a good point, yeah.
0: Because they had a ton of live footage. Yep. Yeah, how crazy. You never knew that he died before this album came out? Nope. I never knew that. How sad is that? That is extra double sad. And so, a man named Abby Konowich... His name really doesn't matter. He was the vice president of MCA. He'd say about this, this is a very significant album in a significant time in music. We were fortunate to have this music, though we were very unfortunate not to have one of the artists around that created it. Amen. Eric Wilson would say, we just want the album to do well so Brad's kid can go to school and so that we can continue to make a living.
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I I mean, mean, that's all you really can say.
0: Think about, think about, how much work he's put into this up to that point too cuz i mean
1: yeah he was there with Brad to do all that
0: yeah, like he was there when Brad died but i mean like it's just like you know they were finally signed to a major label you know things were looking up they were about to tour europe they were about to literally
1: become international superstars
0: yeah that this was like the most popular album of the of like the the late 90s yep. you know
1: and the really sad part is the worst part you know, I I really love Brad and everything, but the worst part is the other band members because they literally did put the exact same amount of work in that Brad did and go through all of that, and you know, like you don't, they don't, they didn't get the recognition. Like they're gonna be recognized as those guys who played in a band with that amazing guy who died, right? He, like it's it's almost a way like it's it's almost a stealing of their like thunder. It would have been a great band if they had continued, but because he, you know.
0: You know, they'd start other bands after this, and we'll talk about them in a little bit, but, you know, it was always that band of, oh, that's the band with the guys from yep. Sublime,
1: you know? Yeah, exactly. That's the rest of Sublime, the part that's not as cool as the part that's gone, and, like, that's that's really shitty thing for those musicians who put their heart and soul into the music, too.
0: And, I mean, it's just, like, he, he was so close to being famous, too. Yeah. Two like,
1: months away. Like not even f- not, like, not even just famous. Like I said, international superstar.
0: You know, set for life.
1: I bet you Sublime is recognizable in so many countries around the world. Like, I, oh, I know right? that, it's a, that it's highly American, but I know for a fact I've, I've seen, like, people in other countries referring to Sublime, and I know that there's other language versions of the songs. And
0: That actually shocks me that you didn't know that he died before the album release, though. Well. But... That makes me glad we ended up doing this as our last featured artist episode.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, hey, that's why we do this. It's to learn a little bit every time.
0: But, you know, seems about appropriate to do our last dude. Check out the song, huh?
1: Yeah, let's let's check them.
0: So, and these are my favorite songs from the album, personally. So, we got Garden Grove, Same in the End, Burritos, and Caress Me Down.
1: They're great songs. All of those songs, especially Garden Grove. I feel like Garden Grove is just such a such a fantastic jam.
0: Which this is the this is the song that kicks off the album too. I mean, it kicks it off in such a great fucking like direction. You know, yeah. If Fuck. you want to throw
1: a little asterisk on there, and one more like one that you can check out too is Paddle Out.
0: That's another great one. Yeah. I I was trying not to.
1: Yeah, there's so many good songs because
0: you know they only had three albums, and I didn't go. Hey. Check out all of their albums. You know, like yeah, we, here's like every single song other than the two I'm not really big on from every <laughs> album. You yeah, know? exactly. We I def- tried to
1: pick my favorite favorites. Yep, exactly. And we definitely could have could have just presented every song they've presented or they've ever <laughs> released as a due check because they're that fucking good.
0: Well, I mean, the reason why I had so many for forty ounces to freedom is. There was, what, like 21 or 22 tracks on that album? Yeah. And the last track was, like, a thanks track that was five minutes long, thanking, like, every band or yep. anybody who ever gave
1: him a buck at a show or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And then if you listen to Robin the Hood, that's another fucking 20-song al- yeah, album. That has
0: a lot of songs, too. Well, you know, getting close to the end here, but Brad's dead. but Lou dog's still alive. Miguel would end up taking him in.
1: Aw, Miguel.
0: Well, you know, he helped them out with the first couple albums. He's basically their manager. Yep. You know,
1: Miguel's a badass, and he, he w- helped them steal thirty thousand dollars worth of intellectual like time. Like
0: <laughs> <laughs> he helped them steal two albums worth of yeah. This. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but yeah, Lou Dog, you know, he to be fairly old for a dog, the I think it was like eleven or twelve. I can't remember now. But he would end up dying on September seventeenth, two
1: thousand one. No.
0: And, you know, he was put to sleep and he ended up being cremated and half of his ashes lie next to Brad's headstone and the rest was scattered into the sea.
1: Aw, the same the same place that Brad was probably.
0: I assume so, yeah.
1: That's, that's a really cute story.
0: I mean, he really did love that dog. Like, there was a story I read, you know, while I was doing this research and I couldn't figure out where to put it in. But, you know, it seems appropriate now where one time... Lou Dog ran away, and he was gone for like a week, and I guess every single day, Brad just spent it on the couch crying.
1: Oh, I can imagine. Just
0: just wanting his dog to come home. And then, you know, you got Bud and Eric. As we mentioned, they'd start other bands, you know. They'd do the Long Beach Dub All-Stars, and they'd be around, you know, for a while. Oh, and then they'd do other bands like Long Beach Short Bus, and you know, just play around with some other random people. You know, just keep playing music. They had to do that. Eric would end up playing in an Iggy Pop cover cover band called the Stymies.
1: <laughs> That's cool.
0: Two thousand nine. You know, it. They ended up doing Sublime with Rome. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you have you you have heard their songs. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. I think I have. So you know why they're called Sublime with Rome? No, why. Because um, Brad's estate, you know, the work he amassed, you know, whoever was in charge of it... Yeah. ...wouldn't allow them to be sublime, but they were okay with being sublime with Rome. And apparently this guy was a huge, you know, sublime fan, huge Bradley fan, and, you know, he would cover... already knew all the covers to his songs, but I guess there was one song he wouldn't cover of Brad's. Which one? Caress Me Down, because remember... He says his name in the song and is about him. Oh, yeah.
1: Specifically.
0: Yeah. You know, and he was like, well, that would just be misrepresenting who Brad was. So yeah, no, I know that,
1: that's pretty respectable.
0: I was never a fan of Sublime with Rome and every girlfriend I've ever had who liked Sublime always tried to get me into Sublime with Rome. And it's just like, I
1: can't do it. It's not the same. It's not authentic. And that's not that's not a like I, I was just talking about how sad it is for the other band members. And it is sad for them, but it doesn't change the fact that it, it is not the same without Brad.
0: Unfortunately, no.
1: Yeah, there's you just can't replace a, a musician like that, which just makes the loss even more ridiculously sad.
0: And so, you know, I think it's about time for final thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, why don't you go first?
0: Well, you know, honestly, man, like, it's weird to put it in perspective because, you know, these three albums were huge in our youth, along with the other live album I mentioned, Stand By Your Van, which is actually the album that got me into Sublime. I wasn't a big fan of them until I heard that album. Then I was like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. And the other crazy thing is, is Sublime had huge ties to where we're from, Everett, Washington. Yep. You know, and I can only go off of rumors because... I could never find any substantial evidence for this, you know, but apparently, you know, they used to play up in Everett all the time. A big reason was, is they always had a place to sleep and they always had a place to get meth.
1: Yep, and that's not really... If you know Everett Washington, you (laughs) shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that's not really an accolade for our uh, childhood home by any means, but the reality of the fact is, like, a couple of the live songs, I believe on Secondhand Smoke, were recorded in a uh, tavern underneath the Trestle Bridge at the Trestle Tavern or something like that. Wait, wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. You know who owned that, don't you? No, I don't know, know who owned that. Tony V. Really? Tony V. It Was a huge Sublime fan, you know. He was probably, you know, in his mid to late twenties around this time. Apparently, also a huge coke dealer at the time. Sorry, Tony, if you hear this, but you probably won't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and just for for interesting lore. Tony V now owns... Uh, Tony V's Garage. Yeah, which it used to be Jimmy Z's. And if you know anything about Seattle lore, more specifically Nirvana and things like that, Nirvana and I believe like Alice in Chains and a bunch of the Northwest like grunge scene used to oh, play yeah. there pretty regularly. Yeah,
0: and you know... um Fuck, I totally forgot the name of that Ever band that came out of there. Whatever, they're not important. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry, we already
1: forgot your name, bros. <laughs> the Moon Moondoggies. Yeah, right. Means- <laughs>
0: the Moon Doggies. I got it. <laughs> they also came out of Ever, and you know, that would be a place for them to play too, and...
1: They they were really cool guys actually. The, I used to work at a gas station like back then in the day, and they came in a few times. And, like one time, I actually was I, I was like, "Are you guys the Moon doggies? And they're like, "Yeah." Like, how do you know who we are? And I'm like, I like had the album and everything already. And I was just like, "It's so weird to have somebody just trolling around town that you happen to you know think of that way." But right, I don't know. Their their music is really fantastic. I wish they uh, would have continued a little more.
0: But anyway, this isn't about the moon doggies. Nope.
1: All right. So I guess it's my turn for last thoughts. It's then. definitely your turn. All right. So obviously, I'm going to hit the hit the uh, the flashpoints here real quick. Uh, don't do drugs, idiots. <laughs> you dumb motherfuckers. <laughs> All you fucking jackasses out there.
0: Especially not right before you're about to become an international star. Yeah,
1: with a brand new baby and you're married for like a week. Don't do that. All right. That's that's that lesson for me or from me to you free as fuck right now. There you go. That's the, that's your lesson in a less candid sort of humorous way. Uh, like legitimately, I, uh, I have a very special place in my heart for sublime and it's not just for, you know, the, the years of, you know, like you know high school stoner stuff, you know, with the, the, there's just so much uh, like nostalgia attached to it, but it's not just the nostalgia because now it's, 20 years later of me listening to this band. And when I turned it on today, it still had the same effect on me that it did all those years ago.
0: Oh, it makes you feel good. Like it's
1: everlasting, great, fantastic fucking music.
0: Well, and I don't even play them that often anymore, but like every time, like right when summer hits, like right when it's like, you know, sunny and dry around here for like the first straight week, you know, when it's 70s or 80s, Sublime's in my radio for, like, at least a week. Yeah. The be- they're like the sounds of the beginning of summer for me in this area,
1: you know? Fuck yeah. No, and I, I completely agree with that. And they really are, like, they really are the aesthetic for summer in a lot of, like, north or Northwest and just West Coast kind of American aesthetics. So I, I, I think it's fantastic, and I, I love Sublime to death.
0: Yeah, and if you live in a rainy area... You know, like Seattle or London. We're looking at you, yeah. you know, London. Yeah, you londoners We've been getting more listens from London. So. <laughs> when, you, uh, w- when the summer rolls around, you know, put Sublime on, and you're going to cruise around, sing the songs,
1: and have a smile on your face. And what's better than that? Yep, and we can feel like some of those sunny tropical areas for at least like one or two days a year.
0: And if you want to have a smile on your face, well... I guess you got to check out our new podcast because we're almost done with this. one. Yeah, Uh,
1: we we can't do the normal uh, tricking you guys into giving us reviews and stuff. So let's go ahead and just do a a little reminder. Me and Ian very shortly, uh, as in after next episode, are going to the week after that begin releasing episodes for our new podcast, the Tome of Fucking Knowledge. It is going to be pretty similar to what we do here, uh, with a little more love into each episode and uh, less focus. And by that, I mean we're going to still continue to do music history, but we're also going to do just
0: history, everything history, yeah. and also we're going to do like geek knowledge, you yeah, know, contemporary
1: information, things like that. We're gonna we're gonna dive into just all types of fun subjects and really try and bring you guys like a broad and fun base of knowledge to really keep the excitement level up episode to episode
0: and the laughs are still going to be there
1: oh yeah we're we're still going to be us so that's yeah
0: we got a dark sense of humor so you know when they're putting people on the crosses back in the day in roman history we're gonna laugh about
1: it oh jesus
2: Uh, (laughs) oh Oh,
0: jesus
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh i'm in trouble now
1: but uh but seriously uh for everyone who has spent any amount of time listen to our podcast over the last year i hope you all know that we fucking love you and we hope with the heart deepest portions of our heart that you will uh, continue to listen to us in our new podcast because i think that we can bring you what we brought you here but you know in a much better and more interesting way
0: have a good night we
2: love you